Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from Detroit uh, for now. Um, and we have a jam-packed show for you today. Will will be joining me later for a very special segment, and he'll be doing the usual politalk. So, yay. <laughs> I know how much you guys love it when Will and I record together, so um, we thought this would be a fantastic treat for y'all. Uh, and speaking of fantastic treats, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Kelly Clarkson is going to be sitting down with Dr. Jill Biden on February 25th. This will be Dr. Biden's first solo interview since President Biden moved into the White House. Um, They're going to be talking about a variety of things. And Dr. Jill actually requested a very special Kelly Oki song. We don't know what it is yet. Um... My sources were trying to figure it out uh, to let us know, but uh, I wasn't able to get it by press time. <clears throat> so, a lot of people have been asking me, how did this come about? <clears throat> well, here is a little bit of a background story for you. Uh, President Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden are really good friends with Ellen. And initially, at least, Ellen was scheduled to be the one to get this interview. Uh, It was scheduled to be uh, her comeback interview in in a lot of ways. After a summer of scandal, uh, her ratings are down very sharply. Uh, Last last summer I seen, she was down about 33% this year. Uh, Kelly Clarkson is easily uh, matching or beating Ellen on a regular basis now. Something that is not something that is not uh, typical for a second year uh, talk show to go to go against and be a veteran, a near a twenty two year veteran show. You know, obviously there's a twenty year difference there, so. Um, but, so as they were looking at where to go, Dr. Jill wanted to avoid the typical, uh, political hotbeds, so the view was automatically knocked out, even though it is the number one daytime talk show, uh, in the country right now. And, uh... You know, she wasn't going to do a Dr. Phil or a Dr. Oz uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, mostly because she wanted to uh, sit with sit down with another woman. NBC Universal uh, first pitched Ellen and then pitched uh, Jenna Hager-Bush in uh, the third hour of today. However, that gave the appearance of uh, being political. Uh, and they tried to spin it as, you know, well, it'll show unity and, you know, a Republican and whatever. Dr. Jill 
said, no, I'm not interested in that. Uh, what I really want to do is I really want to uh, just, you know, sit and let let the issues and whatever speak for themselves. So Universal, which produces the Kelly Clarkson show, said, well, what about doing Kelly Clarkson? And Dr. Jill just really jumped at that chance. She really likes and respects Kelly. And uh, she likes Kelly's uh, more laid-back approach to things. And on Kelly's side, this is a big get. Uh, She had already been really grabbing up a lot of A-list stars, right? Uh, Especially with Ellen and Freefall, Kelly was kind of on her way up. And so the circumstances just seemed to scream that this was serendipity. Uh, So Kelly agreed to it right away. Dr. Jill agreed to it. And Ellen is fuming right now. Uh, Because, as one insider told me, this is solidifying Kelly Clarkson as the new queen of daytime TV. Getting a sitting first lady to appear on your show is huge. Uh, Michelle Obama appeared on Ellen multiple times. Um... I believe Michelle also appeared on The View. Uh, But in Ellen's mind, this was her interview to lose. No one really interviewed Melania Trump because Melania was not interested in in that sort of thing. She was not interested in that uh, part of her duties, uh, unlike her husband. Uh, But... Dr. Jill wants to speak to the American people and she wants to... Basically, she wants to um, bring us together, but she wants to do it in such a way um, that it doesn't feel forceful or like we're being beat over the head. Uh, Ellen... So Ellen is fuming right now, uh, swearing vengeance. Um... That's only half sarcasm, by the way. She is truly upset. Uh, This is the final nail in the coffin of her talk show. Most people have been saying that um, she's going to walk away after next year. It's doubtful she's even going to get a next year. Uh, with, With the scandal and everything, they're having to work overtime to get stars to come in. Uh, and, and sit with her. At this point, it's so toxic to be associated with Ellen uh, that it's not even funny. Uh, everyone assumed that the scandal would blow over and that Ellen's nice woman persona would win out the day. And when it didn't, she kind of started freaking out a little bit. 
So that's kind of where we're landing right now. Uh, as for Kelly, as I said, this this is her defining moment. Uh, you know, she's been sharpening her interviewing skills. She is ready to take on whatever uh, is thrown her way. Uh, she feels she's ready. She's super duper excited and is prepared. Uh, my sources told me that there, there were a little bit of nerves. Because this is such a defining moment for her. Uh, and it is most certainly going to be on her Emmy reel. Uh, after she won her first uh, Outstanding Talk Show host... Emmy uh, last year there was a little bit of fear that she wasn't going to be able to live up to the hype now that she's landed Dr. Jill she is working and striving to make sure that she blows it out of the water and you know she's According to my source, she is really hoping for Emmy number two with this one. Um, she wants to show the world that she's ready uh, to be a world-class interviewer. And that she's more than just a famous name. So let me know what y'all think. You know all of our social medias. Uh, we do have a new Facebook page at Drunk Gossip on Facebook. So hit us up there. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And continuing with our talk show theme, I heard from a little birdie that Megan McCain listens to Drunk Gossip. Hi, Megan. Still hate you. <laughs> so, from what I've been told from two very, 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 very reliable sources, uh, Megan started listening to Drunk Gossip, thinking that we were going to be saying nice things about her. And what I have to say to her is, Honey, have you heard yourself talk? Do you hear the words that come out of your mouth? Because I don't think you do. My six-year-old nephew says more intelligent things than you ever could. (laughs) I mean, seriously. (laughs) This woman, Megan McCain, finally praised AOC. But only because... AOC went after uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, which is politics. We'll we'll deal with that, but she has nothing nice to say about AOC for raising millions of dollars for Texans, going down 
and helping Texans. Now, I just want to remind you, AOC is from the Bronx. She was elected to serve the Bronx. So the fact that this woman chose to help the state and these people who have repeatedly called her very nasty names that have repeatedly uh, tormented her, including a senator who almost got her murdered. But the only nice thing Megan McCain can find to say about AOC is because she trashed Governor Cuomo. Do you see the hypocrisy here? Megan McCain has her head so far up her own ass that I'm pretty sure it's coming out of her throat now. It is amazing to me how how far one can put their head in the sand to find a pearl. You're never going to be Senator Megan. Nobody likes you. Just like you wanted your own talk show and your own manager said you didn't have what it takes to be a talk show host. The only reason you're on The View is because you just had a baby. Because no one likes you on there. Whoopi wanted the Princess of Nepotism fired eons ago. Joy Behar told you on air she did not miss you one iota. Frankly, neither did the viewers. I'm pretty sure even the conservative viewers don't like you. Um, so, when I was told, and like I said, these this came from two very reliable sources. These are not people who are going to tell me what I want to hear just because I want to hear it. So when, when, when these two people both told me this, I was literally stunned. I was literally stunned by what I was hearing. Why she would think that I was saying nice things about her is beyond me. I don't even say nice things about her on Twitter. Little known fact. She accused Governor Whitmer of Michigan of not allowing uh, any kind of seeds or things like that to be sold. That was a lie. Anything that comes out of Megan Megan McCain's mouth is usually a lie. When I do find myself agreeing with her, I'm texting the bestie or I'm texting Will or I'm texting anybody to make sure I haven't lost my damn mind. Because she is so far gone, she might as well be a QAnon person. She has bent over backwards trying to She's bent over backwards trying to make it okay that uh, Ted Cruz went to Cancun. Guess what, honey? It's not. 
again, AOC, who represents New York, was raising money to help the Texans, while your boy went out to Cancun, blamed his wife, or blamed his daughters, and then blamed his wife, and was going to stick with this lie until the New York Times was going to reveal it. He's a liar, and so are you, bitch. Yeah, I said it. You're a bitch. You, on quite a few shows um, over the last few weeks, she has really shown her ass, saying that she is a one-issue voter. Neglecting to acknowledge her privilege as a white woman, failing to acknowledge her privilege as a wealthy white woman, Wealthy in the sense that she grew up with wealth and with power thanks to her father and thanks to her douchebag husband who allegedly is cheating on her. While she was pregnant with little Liberty, he was out getting his dick sucked by men. But we're not supposed to say that, right? And honey, Megan, sweetie, since I know you're listening... If your husband's getting his dick sucked by men, it's not your fault. But maybe you want to look into a divorce, okay? Because why would you want to be married to a gay man? Find you a nice straight douche. That'll make you happy. And maybe you'll quit being such a bitch to everyone else. All right, now, I'm going to get a lot of hateful comments about this, and that's okay, uh, because I had fun roasting Megan McCain, and, and I'm pretty sure everyone else would, too, but I'm going to take a break, and I will be right back, and I am back. And despite this being another daytime segment, I swear that is not the full show. I promise you it's not. (laughs) So, okay. Uh, Katie McLean, who, just by the way, I need to tell you guys this. Katie McLean and I actually have a relationship. Um, not like a, not like a close friendship or... Uh, anything of that sort, uh, but I have interviewed her uh, for my uh, former blog, Generation Gossip, and uh, I was working with her um, for on um, publicity for a comic book she was putting out. So I adore the woman. Uh, she is very sweet, very kind. Uh, and just everything you want her to be, honestly. Uh, and most soap opera fans know that she was hired as a recast Jennifer on Days of Our Lives. What most people don't know is why the official story that came out uh, from Days of Our Lives 
was that Melissa Reeves, who originated the role of Jennifer Horton, chose to uh, stay with her husband and children uh, during the pandemic and did not want to report back to work. This is not true. The the producers of Days of Our Lives were already very frustrated with uh, with Melissa, or Missy as uh, many people call her, because uh, she is a very outspoken conservative. Uh, she believes that BLM is a terrorist group, Antifa. Uh, Antifa should uh, be watched very closely, while white supremacy groups like Proud Boys and uh, the Oath Keepers are doing God's work. These are tweets that she actually liked and or submitted herself. Uh, The Black Lives Matter tweets were especially troublesome, especially as... All of Hollywood was dealing with the reckoning and trying to understand exactly what was happening um, and how they may have played a part in uh, the racial injustice happening across our country. Producer spoke with her and asked her to stop. They were not trying to court controversy, and in fact, she was not the only one who was asked to uh, calm down on the political tweeting. At least two other stars were also asked uh, uh, that were far more liberal uh, to avoid posting anything political or anything that could uh, stir the pot, because the last thing they wanted was backlash. Uh, Days of Our Lives is currently the lowest rated soap opera and they were very concerned uh, about falling ratings, especially since the last renewal came down to the wire. <clears throat> so, Melissa shot back that she was allowed to and there was nothing in her contract that stopped her. They countered by that there was a clause uh, that allowed them to fire her should she uh, create a situation where the show was put in danger. She called their bluff and they fired her. They brought in Katie McLean after she said that no one else would be, uh, that the audience would not accept a recast at Jennifer. They brought in Katie McLean, who proved to be very popular. Uh, in fact, <coughs> more people fell in love with Jennifer Horton uh, during the six months or so that Katie played the role than before. And in fact, the show is allegedly in talks. I say allegedly. Um, My sources are spot on. Um, They have said that she's been 
and to see executive producer Ken Corday quite a few times. Uh, we are assuming that they are talking about uh, her reprising the role. <coughs> um, but since no one was in on the meeting, we're not 100% for certain. Uh, but it would stand to reason that they want her to come back on a long-term basis. Uh, which will This will be Katie's third uh, very popular soap role. She, of course, played Dixie Martin on All My Children. Uh, and that she played Rosanna on As the World Turns. I believe that was the character name. And then, of course, Jennifer on Days of Our Lives. Now, what does all this mean for Melissa Reeves? A day of reckoning has come. Uh, She truly believed that there was no one who could play the role but her, and that would give her some leverage. (coughs) However, there's an old adage in the soap world, and um, I know most of you guys are soap uh, watchers just like I am, Uh, but I'm going to share it with those who aren't. The old adage is, everyone's replaceable on the soaps. There are, of course, some exceptions. Um, Eric Braden as Victor Newman could not be replaced. Um, Eric Forrester... uh, uh, who is played by John McCook, uh, likely could not be replaced over on The Bold and the Beautiful. Uh, on General Hospital, uh, Luke, uh, Luke Spencer, played by the legendary Anthony Geary, could not be replaced. Uh, and I would make an argument that Jeannie Francis as Laura could not be replaced. Um, but everyone else on that show has been recast at least once. Um, that's probably a little glib, but anyways. And, and then, of course, Erica Kane could only be played by the one and only Susan Lucci, uh, Katie's former co-star on All My Children. But I think you get the point here. So, uh, Melissa is likely out permanently, and Katie will likely be in for a long term. Uh, I say long term and not permanently because she does have a bunch of other fires. Um, and I believe before COVID hit, she was scheduled to begin uh, work on a movie. So she may have to um, she may have to honor that contract and then join days. And you know what I have to do? I have to take a break. I'll be right back. And I am back. And I'm coming to you with more sad news. Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> Legendary EDM group, Daft Punk, is allegedly breaking up. 
they released, the group released a eight minute long video called Epilogue. Uh, and, and in the video, it certainly seems like a breakup. Uh, it begins with uh, the two standard robots um, seemingly walking together, although uh, the one is slightly ahead and keeps getting further and further ahead until uh, he stops and starts walking back towards his buddy. After staring at each other for an uncomfortably long time, uh, the one that was ahead turns around and has his friend start the self-destruct sequence. He then resumes walking away from his buddy, and all you can hear is wind and this beeping sound until... Uh, he explodes. After the explosion, you see the remaining member continuing to walk. And you hear the group's uh, song from Random Access Memories playing in the background, uh, Touch. The, that is the name of the song. A publicist confirmed to all the big publications, Entertainment Weekly, Deadline, uh, People Magazine, and Variety, that the group was indeed calling it quits. And it seemed to be quite the... uh, Frankly, it seemed to be quite the... uh, Unusual way for the group to go out. Normally they're very publicity shy, which is why they wear robot costumes in the first place. Initially, uh, the group formed as a rock band with a female lead singer, but after a bad review of their lead single, the lead singer quit, and... Uh, the remaining members adapted part of the review that said that they sounded deathly punk into their new monkier. Uh, from there, they also decided to not just change their name, but they were going to change genres as well. They went from rock music over to uh, electronic dance music which they found a lot of success with. In 1997, they released their first full-length album called Homework. And they went on tour in support of Homework, uh, which led them to release um, a very popular... Um, live album called Alive 1997. <clears throat> the group was, they were phenomenal performers. Uh, every time they were, uh, every time they announced a new tour, tickets sold out very quickly. And then, 
And in fact, uh, they were one of the hottest tickets, uh, both in Europe and here in America. Uh, before they released uh, their albums, though, it should be noted that they had a very unique contract with their record label. The record label did not own their masters, as is typical for new groups. And back in in the 1990s, rather, uh, it was almost unheard of for a new group to have uh, so much power as to wield uh, and tell them that, and tell a record label that they were going to keep ownership of uh, the records. But Daft Punk did that, and they merely licensed their... Uh, masters to the record label. It was a very profitable uh, mix for both parties. After the after the success of Homework and Alive 1997, they were highly expected to release another album uh, in 1998 or 1999. They did not. In fact, their next album would. Uh, be released and um, almost four years to the day after homework. It was called Discovery, and it was released in 2001. Uh, the record label encouraged them to go on tour, uh, but the group refused. Uh, and in 1999, they had adapted their uh, new robotic personas. Uh and in a bit of comedy that um, is perfectly defines who this group is, uh, they released a one-line statement saying that there had been an explosion at a recording studio they were in on September 9th, 1999, at exactly 9.09 a.m., and that they were turned into robots. Uh, some people have tried to read subtext into that, but um, we're not going to do that here. We're not going to get into all that. Um, after Discovery, they were encouraged uh, to release uh, another album in 2002. They forewent that and waited another uh, four years and released... Human, after all, in 2005. <clears throat> after the release of Human, after all, they waited a, a year or so and then announced a tour in support of Human, after all. This led to another live compilation called Alive 2007. <clears throat> and it was hugely popular, and the culmination was a set done in Coachella, which has gone down as one of the best ever, uh, which is saying a lot, honestly. Uh, after, after the release of Alive 2007, uh, the band went to work on the soundtrack for Disney's reboot of Tron. The soundtrack was released in 2010 along with the movie. The group uh, 
dabbled in some art exhibits and other things, but didn't seem overly concerned with putting out another studio album. And finally, in 2014 came Random Access Memories, which was the first their first album to top the Billboard charts. And it also spawned the smash hit Get Lucky, featuring Pharrell Williams. <clears throat> the group seemed to be coasting high, and fans widely expected them to go on tour in support of Random Access Memories and uh, do a live 17 as they had done with, uh, as they had done one in a live album every 10 years. This did not happen. And in fact, outside of working with The Weeknd on a couple of songs for his Starboy album, uh, the, they seem to disappear altogether. Until the beginning of this year when they announced their breakup. But that is not the end of the story. Uh, despite what, what people might think. RLA source says that this is just another way for them to subvert expectations. And to poke fun uh, at these people who... Um, continuously are in the, uh, who have a, a need to be continuously in the spotlight. And in fact, uh, our source is that they have contracts to do the soundtrack for another movie. Uh, they have some more art exhibits and even some more music uh, they would like to release. <clears throat> and the epilogue was their way of um, returning to the news, getting their name out there, and they are planning on um, releasing uh, at least one project this year, along with with, uh, another one within the next two years. And really, they just wanted to uh, screw with people a little bit. And I kind of love it, right? Um, (laughs) These guys are (laughs) just so awesome. Um, They are... um, I I hate to say it, but they're my kind of people. I like when when people do that. Um, But of course, we're going to keep an eye out for the Daft Punk... And I will bring you any new developments as soon as I have them. Coming up next, a very special segment uh, with Will and I recording together. And I will be right back. And I'm back with some breaking news. Legendary golfer Tiger Woods is in the hospital this evening as uh, he sustained leg injuries from a single car rollover accident this morning at around 7.30. 
uh, the sheriff's department, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, has said that they do not believe that uh, Tiger Woods was driving while impaired, though he what he did seem to be speeding, uh, going way above the posted speed limit. They will be issuing no further comments on uh, Tiger's condition or their investigation. Uh, it appears to be just a big tragedy all the way around. Uh, this is a tweet that came from. This is a tweet that came from them this morning. On February twenty third, twenty twenty one, at approximately seven twelve a.m., LASD responded to a single vehicle rollover traffic collision on the border of Rolling Hills Estates and Rancho Palos Verdes. The vehicle was traveling northbound on Hawthorne Boulevard at Black Horse Road when it, w- when it crashed. The vehicle sustained major damage. The driver and sole occupant was identified as PGA golfer Eldrick Tiger Woods. Mr. Woods was extracted from the wreck with the jaws of life by the Los Angeles County firefighters and paramedics, then transported to a local hospital by ambulance for his injuries. The traffic investigation is being conducted by investigators from LASD Lamita Station. This is not the first time a car accident has completely upended Tiger Woods' life. Back in 2009, he had a similar accident where he crashed into a tree, and that incident spawned a huge sex scandal that ultimately uh, nearly ended his career and his marriage. <clears throat> we will continue to follow this story and bring you any updates as we get them. Uh, but for right now, let's return to our regularly scheduled program. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And as promised, Will is with me to talk about Gina Corono. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else. Have you missed my dulcet tones since I was on the last episode? (laughs) I coaxed him into doing this with me because he is a huge Star Wars nerd. Not that big a Star Wars nerd. (laughs) I know more than is probably reasonable about the series, but I I don't have any of the merchandise and I'm not super weird about it. Anyway. Although he does think it's weird that I... Skip all the docking me for nerdiness. Um... (laughs) Don't say shit, Ed. I can I can dredge up some serious receipts on some shit you've watched. I, I was just I gonna know. say that you 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 mock me for not watching Star Wars. So, well, I just mock you for what you chose to watch instead of that. But we'll get to that another time. For now, it's time to talk about Gina Corona herself. Um. So she played Cara Dune on The Mandalorian. I believe the Mandalorian she- was a um. For the record, in case you have not watched it, which is understand, you don't want to pay the mouse any more money, which is understandable. It was a Star Wars show, still is, it's ongoing, although the second season has concluded, a third is expected to get in production as soon as they can figure that out. Uh, but it was very popular. She played a very 
major side character named Cara Dune, a formal rebel, a former rebel drop trooper who aided the faceless hero played by Pedro Pascal in his quest. And she was expected to star in a spinoff uh, uh, built around Kara, right? Yeah, built around her and a few others. Rangers of the New Republic, I believe it was called. Yes. Focusing on the fact that as part of her character arc, she accepted a marshal's badge last season and, well, rejoined the New Republic, the successor to the Rebellion. So... To put it bluntly, she was a pretty big face, um, pretty big breakout side character. Did pretty well on the show. A lot of dolls and toys with her likeness. You know how it goes with Star Wars and just Disney in general. Yeah, and Disney warned her very early on. Uh, Disney and Lucasfilm executives asked her to keep politics out of her social media posts. Uh, in fact, they went so far as to tell her... Uh, that people like Roseanne, who starred in possibly one of the biggest uh, franchises on ABC, was fired for uh, being vulgar and political. Yeah, Disney is downright allergic to anything that would harm its image, and some of Gina Carano's past tweets certainly towed the line in that respect, to say the least. Yeah, some of those posts uh, were just really far out there and just crude. Um, She posted that she didn't understand why people were posting their pronouns in their profile. Uh, And as soon as uh, execs seen that, they wanted to let her go. Uh, But uh, Pedro Pascal, whose sister is trans, uh, actually talked the execs somehow into letting him talk to her. Yeah, he... Apparently, his personal touch was pretty effective there because Gina did offer a an apology to him, deleted the post, and backed down, which is point the proper, well-mannered thing to do. However, she did not publicly apologize after making those publicly pretty nasty comments. Yeah, and then... And it was a curious case because then she followed that up by following Trump's lead and talking about widespread voter fraud um, despite being told that there was no evidence of that happening. Yeah, we've all been over this. The Trump administration had their day in court. In fact, they had 60 days in court and did not turn up a single scrap of evidence of voter fraud, but she continued to jump on that train. The MAGA train. And it basically... Somebody really should have given her... Here's some advice that Gina Carano did not take. When you are in a hole, the first thing you got to do is stop digging. Yes. Um, our, sor- our LA source actually said that she was in negotiations uh, to continue on with The Mandalorian and the spinoff uh, past what she was already contracted for, which was the second season. She thought she was worth more pay, and the producers said, no, you're not really. Obviously, she decided after that to do exactly the thing that you do when you are in the middle of delicate contract negotiations, which is post some extremely inflammatory shit where the people who you're in negotiations with are guaranteed 100% to see it. 
Yeah, uh, the tweets that he's referring to are, she basically said that uh, the Nazis were not the ones who beat up the Jews in Germany, that it, it rather it was the neighbors, and that conservative America are the Jews, and the corporate media and liberals are the Nazis. Nazi apologism, always a popular stance. Jackass. <laughs> Yeah, she. To be fair, she did warn them that she was going to kick up her political post again, uh, since she was no longer under contract to Lucas Films. And they said, "Yeah, you're well within your rights to do that, but we are building a spinoff around you and in negotiation. So, your move." Uh, so she made her move. Uh. To borrow a internet phrase, they said uh, Lucasfilm said, "Fuck around and find out," and Gina Carano fucked around and she found out. Yeah, she claims that she found out via social media and through the internet, like the rest of us. This is a lie, and our LA source stressed that this is a lie. Her agent, her manager, and herself were all warned that this was going to happen if. She continued to uh, do this. Uh, and in further fallout, Hasbro, which was producing the uh, the action figures and dolls that Will was talking about earlier, they suspended production on the Cara Dune dolls immediately. She's, she's attempted to spin this as another example of her being canceled, despite the fact that as she's no longer contract, Hasbro doesn't have the authority to use her license anymore. Yeah, and uh, according to our L.A. source, Laura, Lara Perilla from Once Upon a Time uh, is expected to walk away with the role any day now, really. Uh, negotiations started almost immediately when Gina warned them that she was going to start her political posting again. Lara is a fan favorite from Once Upon a Time, and... Not surprisingly, she's a Disney favorite. Uh, Disney really wanted to keep her under contract when they canceled Once Upon a Time. Uh, but she wanted to spread her wings and move away from uh, the Magic Kingdom for a little bit. She also has the benefit of having a timeline that has 100% uh, less Nazi apologism. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> and definitely something you want. And so Gina's reaction to all of this was exactly what you would expect someone of her ilk to do. She sat down with Ben Shapiro. More advice that Gina Carano and some other figures that we'll talk about later should have taken this week. That is Never miss a good chance to shut up. Amen. Uh, literally the day after Lucasfilms announced that Gina Carano would not continue on in the role of Cara Dune, Gina decided to announce that she had signed on to do a movie with Ben Shapiro's production company. I, I was, gotta admit, this was the first time I learned he had a production company. I didn't know that until we started doing the research for this. Same. This, same, and I'm really scared. <laughs> um, 
Uh. I'm scared of the production values that it will inevitably that will that this movie's going to have. I'm scared of anyway, the themes. <laughs> anyway, back on point. She has uh, been talking a lot about how free she feels now that she doesn't have to be constrained by the bullies at Disney. Yeah. Uh, she accused woke Twitter of being responsible for her termination. Uh, she even went as far as to say that the hashtag uh, fire Gina Carano was trending and that's why Disney made the move to fire her. Lady, it was trending a lot before this incident. Uh, I seen it and I was, I asked Will about it and <laughs> that's how I, that's how this was all brought to my attention in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there have been there have been people trying to uh, that hashtag has been trending around basically since she was announced as in the original basically since the original casting announcement she made no secret of her downright transphobic views and that set a lot of people off which but is which is as just we sad earlier pedro pascal was able to get her to rein it in for a few months thankfully so the fallout from all of this is going to continue. According to our LA source, executives from Lucasfilms and Disney have at least broached the topic of filing a breach of contract lawsuit against her. They claim that she was contractually obligated to do a publicity and promotional tour for season two of The Mandalorian. But her post on election fraud uh, gave producers pause and decided that they didn't really want something so controversial uh, to take up precious airtime from promoting their product. And they believe that she posted those in an effort to get out of that obligation. All I, the optics of the lawsuit may or may not be the best. They do have a pretty, I understand they do have a pretty decent case, legally speaking. She'd been warned before that tweeting these, well, conspiracy theories and general assholery would damage her image and make it difficult for Disney to continue working with her. She'd been warned several times that that was the case before she decided to start with her latest spree. Yeah, and I spoke with uh, an attorney friend of mine who I've talked about uh, on the podcast before and she said legally this is an airtight case for Disney uh, they probably won't walk away with millions of dollars but they could easily walk away with a half a million easily so what uh, a mess yeah and speaking of messes Will is going to uh, come back with you guys in just a minute to talk yep. about the mess that is Texas. Yeah, a mess several decades in the making, as we will cover in Politalk. Thank you very much for listening to this one. I am out. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time. And I will be right back. Hey, folks. Long time no see. I'm producer Will, back for another round of Politalk or, as you might as well call it this week, Texas Talk. 
For those of you who aren't aware, the news cycle the past week has been dominated by the disaster playing out in Texas and most of the rest of the South. Much like in 2019, a weakening polar vortex allowed an Arctic storm front to reach far further south than normal. This blast of Arctic air dropped historic amounts of snow as far south as Texas, and sending temperatures across the region plummeting to 20 degrees Fahrenheit or lower for what was at press time almost a full week. The extended cold snap has been devastating for a region unprepared for such low temperatures. But Texas has had the worst of it, as the state's power grid has been pushed to the brink of collapse. Power plants and pipelines in the state have been shut down due to the extreme cold. And because Texas has an independent power grid, created mostly to avoid federal regulations, the state has been unable to import electricity from the rest of the country to make up for their breakdown in supply. And the state was subject to a series of massive rolling blackouts, some of which lasted days. Texas lawmakers jumped to spin the disaster almost as quickly as they jumped to provide aid for it. Governor Greg Abbott and Representative Dan Crenshaw blamed the blackouts on wind turbines that had failed due to the extreme cold and argued that the disaster proved that renewable energy wasn't nearly as reliable as fossil fuels. A number of commenters and observers criticized their comments as half-baked and not really in line with what was happening on the ground. The claim that all the wind turbines in Texas had failed was quickly singled out. Even if it were true and all of them had failed, Texas only relies on wind energy for 10% of its power generation, and the storm knocked well over a third of the grid offline. As it happens, wind turbines actually overperformed in the cold compared to natural gas plants, a huge number of which shut down after pipelines and transference mechanisms froze shut. Critics also pointed out that wind power has been used as the primary power source for installations as far south as Antarctica with no issue. At this point, the expert consensus seems to be that the blackouts were caused by Texas's failure to winterize its grid which, ironically, would have been mandated by the federal regulations that the independent power grid was formed to avoid. However, the spat between environmental advocates, energy experts, and Crenshaw and other members of the oil lobby has faded into the background a bit this week. In the wake of the revelation that the infamous Ted Cruz, the most hated man in the Senate, had flown down to Cancun with his family during the blackouts. Cruz and his family were spotted by a number of other passengers at the airport who took pictures of the senator boarding the flight to Cancun with a fairly sizable rolling suitcase. That's going to be important later, I promise. In addition, both Cruz's neighbors and the Houston police, who he'd asked for help getting to the airport, ratted him out to the media. The backlash was swift and immediate, with Cruz facing criticism from all corners for abandoning his state in the midst of a crisis to go to the beach. Faced with this huge amount of bad press, Cruz decided to employ all of his rhetorical skills to repair his image. By which I mean that he blamed the whole thing on his two daughters, who are preteens. Cruz claimed that with schools closed and his house freezing, he'd tried to get his two daughters out of the state to, quote, be a good dad, quote, and would be staying in constant remote communication with his staff until his planned return the next day. 
Needless to say, neither the claim that his 10 and 12-year-old daughters are responsible for his decisions, nor the claim that he'd only be staying in Mexico overnight when everybody had seen the pictures of him bringing a full fucking Samsonite along, quieted down the bad press any. So, old Ted decided to return to Texas and give a nice, long, public demonstration of why you should never miss a good chance to shut up. For starters, he staged a photo op of himself handing out packets of water to endangered residents in Houston, and was immediately criticized for not quarantining for seven days, as his state recommends that you do upon returning from Mexico because of the coronavirus the pandemic that's going on. And then he tried to schedule interviews with a number of conservative publications to explain himself and try to return to his earlier spin, but instead had to spend most of those interviews responding to leaked texts from his wife, complaining about how cold their house was and inviting her friends to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, which still had power. I'll admit, the one bright spot about this week, with the ongoing disaster is that it's been a really good time for people who hate Ted Cruz, a group that I count myself a member of, among his colleagues, the media, his neighbors, and, uh, the majority of the nation. However, a lot of the people that you would normally expect to be dunking on him, such as his regular enemy, AOC, have instead focused on raising funds for the crisis in Texas, and have only sent off singular pithy tweets against him. While I think as a nation we don't dunk on Ted Cruz often enough, I do approve of the focus on helping Texas in this time. Hopefully the failure of the state's power grid, as well as the behavior of the senators and representatives defending it, will generate enough political will for reform. Modeling and science indicates that these types of disasters will only become more common in the coming years. So hopefully, Texas's government will take the proper measures to protect their state. Though, given Abbott, Crenshaw, Cruz, and the typical crowd's response, I have to admit I'm not holding out much hope yet. Anyway, that's all for this week's Politalk. Thank you all for tuning in. And for our listeners in the South, stay safe and don't go out unless you have to. Without a lot of plows or salt, the roads will likely be in terrible condition until the snow is fully melted. And I do mean fully melted. You want to make sure there's no black ice around, too, because that stuff can be very dangerous. That said, thank you all again for listening, and as always, cheers.